Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello, you're very welcome to The Tonight Show. Rumours fly around the corridors of Leinster House as the two main government parties eye up what's on offer in the upcoming government switchover. What departments will change hands and who will get the boot all together? Meanwhile, the T-shirt maintains that relations remain rosy between the parties. The relationships are good between the three party leaders, first thing I would say. In respect of some reports, uh, there was no rebuking going on. I think that's contextually the remarks are taken out of context, I would argue very strongly on that, um, in the sense that any team that goes out on the pitch, you play as a team. As the priest at the centre of the controversial Listowel homily doubles down on his remarks, we ask, can the Catholic Church have a place in our future when it seems to maintain sentiments from the past? And later, would you support a tax on the child benefit payment if it meant more money for those who need it most? We hear your opinion in our live poll. Do join the conversation online, as always, with your comments and your questions. It's hashtag TonightVMTV. Tonight we're introducing our nightly live interactive poll which will allow you to get involved in the show and tell us what you think about the big stories of the day. Tonight we're asking, would you support taxing child benefit if it means higher payments for the less well-off? We'll bring you the result of that poll a little later in the programme. You can still vote online now, virginmediatelevision.ie forward slash vote or follow the QR code you can see on your screen. Now, it's hard to believe that it was two years ago that we first heard the term rotating Taoiseach as the coalition came together under the cloud of COVID-19. In just over six weeks, Leo Varadkar will take the helm as leader of the country yet again. But what next for the outgoing Michal Martin? Well, joining me to discuss this tonight is Deputy Political Editor at the Irish Independent, Hugh O'Connell, Fine Gael TD, Kieran O'Connell, Sinn Féin TD, Louise O'Reilly, and DCU Professor of Politics, Gary Murphy. You're all very welcome to the programme. Uh, Hugh, I'm going to start with you, and I just want to uh, look, I suppose, very briefly at the issue around Mark Shari, who's now formally resigned from um, Fianna Foyle. Has the Taoiseach managed to get rid now of a thorn in his sides? Was Mark Shari, Mark McSharry, rather unfairly treated here? Yeah, well, well, I mean, I think it's self-evident that a thorn in Micheál Martin's side is now gone. He has resigned his membership of Fianna Fáil. Um, but as to whether or not he was treated unfairly, I mean, I think there's, there's a couple of ways you can look at it. But it does seem as if there was a, a complaint put in about bullying um, by Mark McSharry, by a, a Fianna Fáil councillor in, in Sligo, who uh, produced text messages in which there were a number of expletives uh, you know, made by Mark McSharry. We, we won't get into those. But... 
um, you know, on the face of it, I suppose, doesn't meet the test of bullying. You, you could debate that, I think it, it's fair to say. But um, it was going to be investigated. But it was going to be investigated. And this was used, I suppose, as a basis for uh, deciding to pause the the proposal to readmit Mark McSharry into the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party. Uh, and this was a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, and Mark McSharry has decided on foot of this kind of ongoing process, which doesn't uh, didn't appear to be at a resolution or near a resolution, to um, resign his membership of the party entirely. So, um, you know, w one person in Fianna Fáil today suggested to me you know, that he's almost taken the bait here, that, that, that the leadership of the party were trying to get him to resign completely and to take his ball and go home, and that he has done that now. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a matter of opinion. That's not, you know, the party would dispute that, I suppose, and, and, and has rejected Mark McSharry's claims today in, in respect of that. But what um, about that old adage, keep your friends close and your enemies closer? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's the Does other... Does that play in politics? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing, I suppose, is that, you know, the, the fact that this, is, this has been mishandled, I don't think there's any doubt about that now. I mean, Mark McSharry... Uh, you know, colleagues wanted him readmitted into the parliamentary party, including people like Dara Kaliri, who's you know pretty middle of the road and very supportive of Michal Martin as Taoiseach and, and as Fianna Fáil leader. He wanted him back in the parliamentary party. That hasn't happened. He's quit the party entirely. And the, the most important thing from Fianna Fáil's perspective, electorally, is in Sligo Leitrim now, they have a real challenge trying to keep a seat there for the party. If Mark McSharry runs as an independent today, he has a good chance of winning a seat. And equally, Sinn Féin will be looking for two seats in that constituency that constituency at the next general election. So I think electorally for Fianna Fáil, this is an own goal. And I think for Micheál Martin, um, you know, whilst he might have got, got you know, whilst there may no longer be a dissenting voice or, or one, at least one dissenting voice within the parliamentary party uh, and not coming back anytime soon, um, you know, other people in the party might be uh, pretty unhappy with the way he's handled this and that might you know, spiral into something else in the new year. Okay, well, let's look at sort of other rows and niggles that we are seeing, mm. I suppose, between the coalition parties, particularly between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil at the moment. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, the, one of the, the, the biggest issue, I think, for the coalition at the moment is, is housing. And we've seen in recent weeks Fianna Fáil, or Fianna Gael, rather, flex their muscles a little bit on housing and kind of, you know, come up with these ideas that, uh, you know, we'd, we need to do more to encourage development and we, you know, potentially need to reduce the tax burden on developers. Uh, we need to increase social housing limits. Talking about kind of getting a handle on the housing issue when they get back into government. Now, a lot of people will, you know, smile and ridicule that given that Fine Gael have been in power uh, for much of the last, in fact, for all of the last decade and have held the Department of Housing for a lot of that. Uh, and, you know, Fianna Fáil are kind of saying, well, look, you know, we forced Fianna Gael into doing certain policies that they were totally against when they were in government without us. Um, so but the Taoiseach has called this kind of bad politics. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's been reported that he's, he's suggested that to a parliamentary party meeting last week. Now, that's been disputed by the Taoiseach himself in terms of the context in which he said that. He, he argues that it wasn't said in that context. But nonetheless... I don't think a lot of people in Fianna Fáil are happy about Fine Gael saying these kinds of things about housing and this idea that Fine Gael are going to mark the housing issue more closely over the next two and a half years when uh, Leo Varadkar is in the Taoiseach's office. Because again, you know, people in Fianna Fáil, and I think a lot of the country would look at that and think, well, geez, Fine Gael, have, you know, they've had an opportunity at housing over the last decade and they haven't done very well with it. Uh, Gary, is this to be expected, do you think? when there is going to be this rotating Taoiseach. I mean, it's unprecedented. It's never happened before. Has it made the coalition parties, particularly Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, angsty? 
I think a little bit, and uh, obviously the closer we get to the, the handover on the 15th of December, although it might be a day or two later now, I think the more antsy um, senior figures are, are getting. I mean, I do think it is a little bit rich of Fianna Gael to be complaining about uh, housing policy when, you know, back in 2017, its deputy leader, uh, current um, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, uh, told us rebuilding Ireland would, would solve the housing problem and that there would be no more people in, in hotels uh, by the end of the year. The homeless figures are much the same even more so, you're still 10,500 people homeless, 3,500 children, which in you know, modern, you know, democratic, uh, wealthy society is intolerable, I would have thought. Um, and, and to take the problem with housing is, in my view, Dara O'Brien should probably be left there. Um, if the government is to succeed, it should succeed as one. I mean, when it comes to the next election, we expect Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael clearly will, will um, campaign as different parties, but it's a kind of re-elect the government or, re or, or, or election fain. I think that's the dynamic that seems to be playing. If you look at the recent polls, polls are okay for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. That one last week, the MRBI one, but the, the story really is the, the rock-steady Sinn Féin vote. Mm -hmm. And so I think in terms of, you know, sort of niggles within the government. I, I think it, it is to be expected as we get uh, closer to the changeover. But I think once the changeover happens, once there is the reshuffle, which I think will be probably minor, I think politics will settle down again because nobody, nobody wants an election. Nobody yeah, in government wants an election. I mean, I, I wouldn't overplay this, this kind of disputes within the coalition or tensions within the mm. coalition. I mean, ultimately, like, you know, one of the biggest things, I suppose, that, that, that is going to happen is the rotation of the Taoiseach's office and the changeover. And there was something flagged a couple of weeks ago about the fact that the date for the changeover clashed with the European Council and when there'd be a row between... And there uh, hasn't Iraq. been. And there hasn't been, because yeah, the Taoiseach... Yeah, the fairness. Taoiseach has basically decided we're going to give the Taoiseach a few days, go to the European Council, and then we'll do the changeover. Yeah. Are you ready, um, Kieran, for a Fine Gael Taoiseach again? And are we going to see any difference in terms of how this coalition operates with Leo Varadkar at the helm as opposed to Michael Martin? Well, like Leo will bring his own style, but ultimately the government will continue as is. Uh, I think when you have a coalition... So it'll be, you think it'll be kind of business as usual? I think Leo will bring his own brand, but we'll work uh, cohesively with, with a three-party mm. coalition. And I think you're always going to have, in my view, healthy tensions. If, if you haven't, I don't think it brings about very good policy. So what is Leo's brand that you talk about there? Uh, Leo's brand, I think, is very much about getting things done. Uh, he connects with people. He wants to... Uh, the big issue for... and It's the big issue out there at the moment is housing. Uh, we as a party, and I'm, I, I've put down... I mean, I'm on record for the last year uh, with uh, the Minister for Housing and the Taoiseach about looking for the increase in social housing income amendments. That's a policy I've brought forward that Fine Gael have endorsed. So, like, there's no great issue for me. Housing so will there be a different approach, do you think, to housing now with Leo Radker the, the, the as pro, Obviously, I, I think for us as a party, and we've brought it forward, it's, it's front and centre in terms of policy. Obviously, the co configuration in terms of the ministers and portfolios, that's entirely a discussion that the, the leaders are, have had and are having. I'm not privy to them, but that's entirely a matter for the three party. Members. I mean, the polls don't suggest that Leo is connecting with the with the public. I mean, there are 21 percent, much the same as you were in uh, February 2020, and significantly down uh, from when Leo Varadkar took leadership in the summer of 2017, yeah. when many in Fine Gael hailed him as the Gary, person who would bring Fine Gael to the glory. You reported the most recent poll. Leo was well up in the, in the popularity stakes there. But are these are these stagnating? Gael are 21 percent consistently Fine Gael stagnating at the moment, though. Sorry? Generally, is it stagnating generally? I think the, the political landscape out there is now very diverse. Uh, we've been in government for many years, so it's never easy when you are in government. But I think in terms of 
when you're dealing with, with a crisis situation at the moment, I think our poll ratings are reasonable in the circumstances. Uh, Louise, would you say, given the fact that it took, I think, four months, am I right? I think the election was in February and I think the coalition was formed around June. Given the fact that it was so difficult to form this coalition and to agree this programme for government, have they done fairly well that we've had stability for the last two and a half years? Well, I don't think uh, if you're watching this programme from a hotel room where you've been forced to stay with your kids, I don't think if you're sitting looking at your telly tonight in pain because you're one of the million people on a waiting list that you think there's any kind of uh, stability. I think if you're a young person who's locked out of the, of, locked out essentially of home ownership and you see that that just is getting further and further away from you the, the longer um, we have this government in place. I don't think you'd be feeling very much in terms of uh, stability, to but be honest. But what about when Brand Leo comes back? He has yeah. his priorities, housing's number one, and he connects with people. That's what Kieran says. Okay. And, and I'm sure that Kieran believes that very, uh, very fervently. But the evidence, uh, and we all have lived the, the, the dream that is Brand Leo previously, and we didn't see any appreciable difference can, in... Can, can, can you just yeah. let me finish there? Yeah. You didn't see any appreciable difference. Uh, in fact, what we do see uh, is the numbers of people in emergency accommodation rising. Mm -hmm. That's right. nearly 4,000. After the last election, the country needed a stable government. We've seen what's happening in the UK at the moment. Leo, as, as, as Taoiseach, uh, now tarnished, about to become Taoiseach, uh, worked with other parties, we've put together a very cohesive government. Nothing is perfect in life. But at the end of the day, we are dealing with, and Leo is very much about bringing down you're the cost of living. With it, Karen. I think that's we the are, point yeah. I was we making if you were listening. You're not. And all of the available evidence suggests that you are not, because the numbers in emergency accommodation are increasing. The number okay. of people on social Would housing waiting lists are increasing. The, North, the number the of people, and it's a very different system, as you absolutely you're, you're, know your that. homeless figures are rising higher than down here. <laughs> that's not it's a true, future Karen. everywhere at the moment in terms no, of the whole true. cost of living that crisis. That is not all right. true, Karen. I just it's want to move true. on, I suppose, because the big thing here now is you know, what jobs are sort of up for grabs. Mm. We know that the position of Taoiseach and Tanishta um, was going to change, that was agreed. What else will definitely change? Well, we know the position of Finance Minister and Public Expenditure Minister will rotate between the two parties, yeah. so it's expected that Michael McGrath will become Finance Minister. There's still a bit of a question mark about whether Pascal Donoghue will take up public expenditure and reform or not. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, other kind of mi more minor or less well-known positions, I suppose, the position of Attorney General is expected to be the choice of, of, uh, of Fine Gael, of, of Leo Varadkar's Taoiseach, uh, and the Cahirlock and last Cahirlock of, of the Shannon, they'll change over. Um, but in terms of other changes, I mean, that's really for the three coalition party leaders to decide. And, and the sort of but the where will Michael Martin go? It is rumoured yeah. that he's looking for foreign affairs. It is, it? yeah. And I mean, I think that there's a view in Fianna Fáil that, uh, you know, they should have a, a hand in Northern Ireland in particular and what's going on there, particularly now at the moment with the protocol issue so kind of front and centre. So Michael Martin going back to the Department of Foreign Affairs where he was previously minister is, is, a, is a pretty good bet, but we'll have to wait and see on that. So where does Simon Coveney... Go. Well, Where again, would that so that, that creates either... another problem then. So could Simon Coveney maybe go to Enterprise and, and take Leo Varadkar's position, obviously, because he, he'll be giving up his, his ministry to become Taoiseach. So, like, to, the conventional wisdom around Leinster House is that there'll be minimal changes, I think. You know, there'll be just a couple of couple of jobs that might switch around. Yeah. Uh, there's a few uh, looking for promotion too, isn't of there? Of course, yeah. Everyone's looking for a promotion. I'm sure Kieran would love a promotion. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think there'll be some shuffling on the, the junior the ministerial junior ranks. Okay. Um, but I don't see major elevations to Cabinet, Ed. 
Can I just make a point, right? You're talking about people in business. Simon Coveney's done a very good job in foreign affairs. I think that's, by exception, agreed. So, you know, it's, it's, it, there's, this is, the three leaders will have difficult decisions to make, but it's their decision to make. So would you be disappointed then if Michael Martin... I think, I think, si I just, I suppose, just to make the point, that I think Simon Coveney's done very well in the portfolio. I think there's a political risk in not doing um, a major reshuffle, which is that it, it, the government is the same mm. and nothing has changed. And, and to go to Louise's uh, thesis about, you know, the government is basically uh, failing. And, you know, we saw the corporation tax receipts today. The government can tell a very good story on the economy. It could have told a good story in 2020 and, and it didn't during the campaign. So I do think there are risks in, uh, in, in, in a minor reshuffle. And the two main jobs, I think, in terms of an election coming forward are housing and health, and who which would be the two main... Those? Well, if you could do a good job on them, you you know, I think people, they're the electorate. That is one big if, Gary Murphy. It is, but, 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 but the electorate is fluid, is my point. The electorate is very fluid still. I mean, the Sinn Féin vote has been rocks that you've had about a third, and I expect it to stay there. But, I would you know... Actually, but we did I see a Sinn Féin vote, too, didn't we? Okay, just one other thing, I just want to... point, if I could. I don't think that people want to see the uh, the chairs shuffled around and the uh, just a, a change, another change. We're not exchanging any policies. It's just all about personalities. What we actually need to see is a change of government because only a change of government is going to bring about the type of change that will make an appreciable difference to people who are locked out of housing, who are stuck on waiting lists okay. and who need can I, something can I, can different. Can I just make a point? Just briefly. The government made, in terms of made firm decisions on, on cost of living crisis, we, we're putting forward serious amount of money to help people get over this crisis. Unlike other parties, in terms of Sinn Féin's own pre-budget, uh, pre it was nowhere near the level of cost of living supports in terms of once-off payments that we've put in there. So right. I think the government is working okay. well. I just, want to, I just want to focus, I suppose, on this potential reshuffle. Uh, first of all, I suppose, for Michal Martin. Gary, if he goes into foreign affairs, and that's what's been rumoured, that appears to be the role that he wants... What will that sort of do for him, I suppose, within Fianna Fáil? Because one of the things about that role is that it takes you out of the country. It takes you away from domestic politics. Now, I know you mentioned the protocol, Hugh, but does that signal, I suppose, from Michael Martin that he is ready to accept that his time as leader of Fianna Fáil is coming to an end? Is he making the transition? I'm not sure. I mean, I had long been of the view that come December 2022, he would probably step down as leader of uh, Fianna Fáil. He's, he's been leader for three elections, uh, one disaster in 2011, which was expected, a rejuvenation in 2016, and very disappointing in uh, 2020. And to go back to Mark McSharry at, at, at the beginning of the programme, I mean, there are a lot of rebels in Fianna Fáil and the Parliamentary Party, and none of them seem to be prepared to act. Um, and if that's the case, I think the, the leader... no successor. The, the, no, well, you know, as no Willie Ortiz, he looks in the mirror and he, he doesn't see the successor there. And, you know, people talk of Michael McGrath, maybe Dara Caleri, uh, Dara O'Brien. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I tend to agree with Louise uh, in one way that I don't think people are worried about personality per, per se. Uh, but for the Taoiseach, I mean... Yes, going into foreign affairs, and he was a foreign affairs minister before, of course, it does take you away. And I think that the plotting, if, even if there is such a thing, could become more firm because at the end of the day, when Fianna Fáil approaches the 2025 general election, it has to make the decision, does it want to go in with Michal Martin for the fourth time and on and around 20% or does it risk going with somebody else? Was he protected, uh, Michal Martin, when he was Taoiseach? 
you know, because he had that role, was he protected within almost the Fianna Fáil party? Yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 the position of Taoiseach Prince did an extraordinary prestige, and, and I think he's done a pretty good job in relation to, to leading the country and also in keeping the coalition uh, together, you know, and, and by, by, by its nature, the office of Taoiseach does, I think, give that certain uh, stature, and it takes a brave person to try and take down, take down a Taoiseach in, uh, in, in, in situ. So I... I in, well, in terms of being protected, I think he, he probably was by virtue of the position. And also that Fianna Fáil as a parliamentary party, as a party, is, is pretty weak. So the strategy after December for the next two years will be what exactly? You mentioned there how strong Sinn Féin have been consistently, consistently, yeah, consistently for, in mm. the polls. Is that going to be the job of the now Tánaiste, soon-to-be Taoiseach, to sort of try and deal with Sinn Féin, the threat of Sinn Féin, and perhaps really address the issues that Sinn Féin are very strong on, namely housing. Well, I think Leo Varadkar were, were, were very much like, like a political dynamic of Fianna Gael versus Sinn Féin, uh, but Fianna Fáil are there to, to stop that. And I, I, think that, I think that's the big question for both those main parties. What sort of an identity can they carve out to the electorate that separates them uh, from each other um, without taking too much votes off each other because they want to take votes off of Sinn Féin, but that doesn't appear likely. So I, I think that's the big challenge for Leo Varadkar, who hasn't, as I said, hasn't brought much success to Fianna Gael. Uh, and it's also the challenge for Micheál Martin or his successor. Who looks good to you at this point, Louise, if you're going to coalition with one of them? Uh, I think a general election is the thing that looks good and then we'll have to see what way the numbers are. But there's one thing actually... And, uh, sorry, Jim, will you let me finish, thing. please? There's one thing that I, I have found and it, it's, I found it mildly depressed, and I'll be honest, since uh, I joined uh, full-time political life. And it is that when you speak to people in government, it's often very rare you can get them excited about issues that are really important to people. But when it comes to talking about is so-and-so getting a promotion or that, they're all about the chat. And that I find that actually very depressing because uh, I think there are big issues that need to be tackled. Yeah, and we addressed and I do those think, issues. No, absolutely, we did. But I do think that people want to, yeah, people want to see the real and meaningful I just want change. to ask yeah. you a question because I'm just conscious we're talking about the coalition for the last 15, 16, 17 minutes. And we haven't mentioned the Green Party. Is that, no, yeah. a, is that a good <laughs> sign? Does that mean, you know, well, they're, they're doing their job, they're being efficient, they're cohesive? Well, yeah, I mean, look, look, there's less sort of um, debate and intrigue about the Green Party because Eamon Ryan is on record as saying the three senior ministers at least will stay in, in situ. So uh, Catherine Martin at, at Arts and Culture and uh, Roderick Gorman in, in Children and Equality and Eamon Ryan obviously Transport and Environment. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the Greens, uh, you know, they're just trying to drive through their agenda obviously which is to kind of decarbonise the economy. But notwithstanding all that, I mean, like there's a couple of faux pas, I mean, not least the, the, the crib, the Christmas crib and the Dublin Lord Mayor, a Green Party councillor who does seem to have the tacit backing of the Green Party leadership in pursuing this agenda to get rid of the live animal crib, which is annoying a lot of people, I think, and, and people are asking, you know, is that really necessary uh, when children have missed out so much over the last two Don't years? Don't mess with Christmas, Hughes, isn't that it? That's it, yeah. All right, look, at, I'm afraid we have to leave that uh, topic there for the moment. My thanks to Hugh and to Gary. Kieran and Louise are going to be staying with us. And after the break, the Catholic Church in the modern age is a time for us to let go. You're very welcome back. Now, just a reminder that tonight we're introducing our nightly live interactive poll, which will allow you to get involved in the show and tell us what you think about the big issues of the day. Tonight we're asking, would you support taxing child benefit if it means higher payments 
for the less well-off. We'll bring you the results of the poll a little later in the programme. You can still vote online, virginmediatelevision.ae forward slash vote or follow the QR code you can see now on your screen. Now, controversy continued today over comments made by a priest in County Kerry during a mass in Listowel at the weekend. Retired priest Father Sean Sheehy stood by his remarks during his homily across various media outlets today in which he condemned abortion, transgenderism and homosexuality. With stances like these still existing within the church, does it have still have a place in modern society? Well, for more on this now, I'm joined by Father Joe MacDonald, Finnegale TD, Kieran O'Donnell, Sinn Féin TD, Louise O'Reilly, theologian and member of We Are Church, Gina Menzies, and Sunday Independent journalist, Donald Lynch. You're all very welcome to the programme. Um, Father, I want to start with you because many of us will have heard what the priest said and will have heard him on various radio programmes today, really doubling down on his position. You were... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. For the same color as him, do you share his views? No, I mean, I, I suppose that what I want to avoid, the easiest thing for me to do is to come here and, and I suppose have a have a go at, at, at himself and so on. I don't know him, so and I and I don't know anything about him at all. Uh, I, I think I was surprised at, at the comments initially. Initially, it was a homily, but then I thought today I heard him a couple of times, including at lunchtime, and I, I was surprised that he was as maybe as trenchant as he was. Um, I didn't think it was a great interview at lunchtime. Um, funny, I thought the last comment from, from the interviewer, um, I think it was Brian Dobson, said that maybe it's about how the message is preached. There'd be some truth in that as well. Um, like people saying that he had no right to speak. Well, he was preaching at Mass. So I, don't, I wouldn't doubt his right to preach at Mass. Um, the topic of sin, obviously, is part of our, um, you know, it's part of what we talk about. Um, but 
I think at that point then you look at the hurt and the offence and I was a bit surprised that his bishop came out as quickly. I thought that was good. Um, I, I wouldn't have expected the bishop to come out, I don't mean that personally against him, but I wouldn't have thought that was going to happen as clearly and as quickly. Um, and I think that's to be welcomed as well. But um, I think the thing that sort of surprised me a little bit, he, he made a number of times the reference that this was coming out of last Sunday's gospel. That, that, that's sort of surprising because I preached on the same gospel. And it's actually a gospel full of joy. You know, there's this little guy called Zacchaeus who's a tax collector and he wants to get a glimpse of Jesus. But the big, big story is Jesus says to him, not we'll have a coffee or we'll have a chat. I'm staying in your house. And this is mind-blowingly full of joy that this sinner and, you know, the tutters have a field day in the gospel because they're all saying, does, he, does Jesus not know who he is? So I was asking myself a couple of times today, even in the car, how did we get from a gospel full of joy um, to a place where we're battering people over the head about their lifestyle? Battering people over their head about their lifestyle. Donald, were people hurt by those comments, particularly those within the LGBTQ plus community? Well, I don't speak for all of them, but I, I would, my sense would be uh, no. I, I, I think that um, most people don't pay very much attention to what's said at a mass. I mean, I thought what surprised me when I, when I, when I um, saw the, the story about it was that there had been 30 people at a mass to walk out of it. I don't, I don't think that gay people are hanging on the every word of, of a priest somewhere down in Kerry and that they're that hurt by it. I think that it's, it's, it's interesting to have a sort of a public debate around it because it, it enables us to air the issues. But as to whether anyone in this country is kind of crying themselves to sleep tonight because a priest doesn't approve of them, I doubt that very much. Because a priest isn't relevant in their lives. I don't think so. And I don't think they've been relevant for a very long time. I think even when they brought in gay marriage, I don't think there was a, a clamour for gay people to get married in churches. A lot of straight people I know now get married in humanist services. And um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that people really care that much. And I'm not sure someone like Leo Radker would have been wounded to his core by what was said either. Yeah, speaking of Leo Radker, um, Father Sheehy, I think when he was on Radio Kerry today, seemed to suggest that Leo Radker um, would go to hell. How far will the party go, Kieran, to try and get an apology for that? Because there has been calls from members of the Fine Gael party for an apology for that statement. Well, I think the priest, Father Sheedy, needs to come out and make an apology. I think he's... And if he doesn't? Well, he, he's totally out of touch. I, I would agree with, with, with Father here that I think the Bishop Brown, Bishop of Kerry, coming out so quickly, and I read his statement. It, 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 I felt it was a very reasonable statement. It, it laid it on the line. Um, and really, I think society has moved on. And you speak about, like, he's not representative of the priests I know on the ground. I, and I've always said it for me, the one thing that the Catholic Church have never done, uh, they have to adapt. Celestia should have been done away with years ago. Uh, they have to adapt. Their social side of the ministry is phenomenal. They, they call to people, they do that whole area, but, but they haven't as such, they, they, in many cases, the, the overall hierarchy of the Catholic Church hasn't, in my, in my view, moved the times. I think the priests, many of the priests on the ground, if not all, have. And I think that's, that would be the comment I'd have to make. 
Um, Louise, we, we want. He needs to make an apology. Like yeah, and, and I don't think from everything I heard today in the radio, I don't think this priest is going to make a, an apology. And Leo Varadkar did come out today and said, "Look, he doesn't agree, obviously, with what this priest says, but he respects that somebody is entitled to express their religious beliefs freely." Do you agree with that statement? I have no difficulty with people expressing their religious beliefs. I do have a problem now, being honest, and I want to extend uh, solidarity to the, the members of the LGBTIQ plus community and say to them, like, once again, their right to exist is now being debated. Once again, the, the, the legitimacy of relationships is now being debated. That's not a good place to be. The man is perfectly entitled to say what he said. I found his, his statements... Um, well, look, we, we could we could use loads of words on what they were. They were, I think, they were hurtful, and I don't think there was much. When I heard the follow-up interviews, I don't think there was much concern about the hurt that they caused. Notwithstanding that, I, he's perfectly entitled within the Roman Catholic Church to hold those beliefs um, if that's what if that's what he wants to do. But I don't think that's reflective of the majority of people. And you know, let's not forget, in the last month, we have seen the very, very best of the church. We've seen in Chrysler, you know, church leaders coming together and literally holding their. Community and bringing it through that tragedy. So you know, I mean, you, you could lose sight of the fact that there that there's good, there's good and bad there. But actually, you know, what what we saw recently was something very good. What we saw at, at the weekend, uh, I, I felt that there there, there was the, it was hateful language to use. Yeah. I think it, it was. I don't know was it intended to be hurtful or to shock the the people in the uh, in the church. I know that several of them did walk out, so they clearly yeah. don't agree with what was being said. Well, I suppose one of the things he did say. Um, Father Sheehy is, why would I apologise for the truth? Is he proclaiming the teachings, the current teachings, Gina, of the Catholic Church? Is he abiding by his ordination when he says well, what he says? Uh, he's abiding by what he understands, but that's not to, to my understanding or to many theologians and many working priests, isn't the theology that the Church works out of uh, currently at all. Uh, I mean, what did Pope Francis say? He said, who am I to judge? Um, there's been a huge shift in theological thinking. And people might say theology or things never change. And that is totally untrue. If you go back through the history of the church and if you go back through the development of theology, if you go back into the scriptures, there's constant renewal and re-understanding of how theology and how we understand God and how the message of Jesus works today. Yeah, Example, just, just two examples that I think are quite interesting. Um, I've spent a lot of my life defending Mary Magdalene. Now, I don't know, if I went out and asked people, Mary Magdalene, most people would say, ah, the prostitute in the Gospels. Not a single line of scripture says she was a prostitute. Absolutely not. She was the closest companion of Jesus. She was the first okay. messenger of the resurrection. I've never been at an Easter Sunday service where I heard that being, that being made. In other words, but highlighting just, the role of the women. So and just, and that's another one on, on if you like, on, you know, not exactly sexual morality, but you know, the notion of marriage between man and woman. But at the Second Vatican Council, and, and marriage was about procreation, but at the Second Vatican Council, there was a very significant statement, which kind of has almost gone under the radar, which said that marriage was about the love between the couple 
as well as the procreation of another generation. That is actually quite sensational but, in the development yeah, of theology. So change has happened and continues to happen. And continues to happen. In the Catechism, does it not say, Father, that being homosexual is intrinsically disordered? Is that not what that statement says, a statement coming from the Catholic Church? Yeah, I mean, look, the, I don't think anybody is in any doubt about the church's teaching about sexuality. It applies to, to same sex, it applies to outside marriage, it applies to pornography, it applies to masturbation, it applies across the board. There is no debate about that. That, that to me isn't the debate. I thought it was very interesting when you asked the question about the relevance factor, mm. you know? Yeah, like, but I'm sorry I, to cut across you, Father, but I, I, am, I am looking to try and get clarity on what the church's attitude is oh, no, to you're, something you're totally like... totally correct. Homosexuality. Oh, no. Anybody, Do, does the Catholic Church think it is intrinsically disordered? No, you can you can get that tonight. Just mm. Google it. It's there. It's in it's the Catechism. There. But it's been there for years. There's nothing new about it. So Everybody, is Father Sheehy just reflecting that? As Father, he said Father today? Sheehy, I would, I, I'm not here to speak to Father mm. Sheehy, but I mean, my understanding is, I, I'm a bit confused how he got it from the Gospel on Sunday, but yeah. anyway, yes, that doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. I, I'm a little bit concerned about that, and I'm wondering about that. And we're all guilty of having hobby horses and stuff like that. I suppose I have learned over the years that, you know, as crusty old celibates like me, we need to be very, very careful when we're talking about sexuality. And, you know, the whole thing, this emphasis on sin and so on. Like, before I talk about sin, I need to look at the sinner in the mirror in the morning when I'm shaving before I start talking about sin. I thought Leo Varadkar, I have to say, I thought his response was fantastic. Mm. It was measured. I, I, it threw me back to the night that he welcomed the Pope. And I remember sitting listening to Leo and, and my heart was filled with pride. But if you say to me that I look at Leo and I say, you're living in sin, you're going to hell. Not in a month of Sundays would I think like that about Leo Varadkar. Because that is not for me to say. And that's the problem. But that, that's your interpretation. No, 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 it's not. You see, this is the thing about the interpretation. Mm. If we want to quote the gospel, we want to quote scripture, we want to quote Jesus, the whole point of last Sunday's gospel was Jesus accepted Zacchaeus and wanted to stay with okay. him. So it's not my interpretation. The whole purpose of the message of Jesus is don't judge. If you judge, you're going to be judged exactly. yourself. Don't point the finger. Don't throw the stone. Do you, you know, think, sorry, Donald, that the church can become more relevant again to a certain cohort of society that don't see it as relevant? And that's certainly not everybody. I actually, By listening to people like Father Joe here, who says, we're not here to judge. The message is about love and supporting each other and yeah, acceptance. But, but that's, that's, that's the kind of the, the message. But the Pope has still come out and said there will be no gay marriage and affirmed that recently. And part of me listening to, to this whole story about the priest and you know, about Father Sheehy wondered, is it just about, is it about communication? Is it about the way that he, that he spoke with all his judgment and his fire and brimstone and so forth? Um, and in fact, when he says that, that what he's saying is the truth, there is quite a, a large element of, of truth, truth to what he says, but we're not used to that. We're used to a Pope talking out of two sides of his mouth. We're used to hearing clerics do that as well. Yeah. And it's like this, this sugary accepting message. But then the facts behind what's being said don't really change. Gina. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I to understand. To respond to that specific yeah. point that Don I, made there. I understand you know, what you're saying. I think Francis's most significant statement was, who am I to judge? If you, I, I take your point, you're right about the catechism. Mm. It is a nightmare. 
but it is interesting that it is never referenced. It's the first time in, in years and years I've heard somebody reference those horrific statements mm. about homosexuality. So that's not the practice. Maybe the practice is different to, you know, somebody in, 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 in a different kind of zone. Um, but I suppose I'm just conscious of the comments but, you made about the Pope in terms of gay marriage. Well, well, about gay marriage. Well, you know, I have a document here which is really interesting. It only came out a few days ago, which is the, 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 the synthesis of all the documents that were sent to Rome for all the synod listings that happened. And it is radical. The words it used are radical inclusivity. That is completely gospel-based. The, so gospel the church is, is trying to move on. The, well, the church, the church is, trying is trying to reflect to a real gospel. It talks about radical inclusivity. It talks about equality. It talks about women. It talks about mission, not maintenance. I mean, that's a whole area that I needs to be discussed. Right okay, just, just very, very quickly. quickly. You know, I was, I was glad Donald said at the beginning he's not here to speak for all mm. people. A group I'm concerned about is the young men and women who are LGBTQ. Mm and who are Catholics yes. practicing, yes. want to remain in the church. Can they? Of well, course. they're there. They're there. <laughs> you know, like, let's not be thinking that they're locked out somewhere. They're there. What I'm encouraging them to do is stay in, fight, talk, claim back your church. It's your church. So there are a group there. There might be loads of people not remotely interested. I get that, and I do accept that. But there is a group of people who are members of to call it LGBT community, but who are Catholics who believe in Jesus and who want to belong. I'd, be, yeah. I'd, I'd like to be, you know, thinking of them tonight as well in terms of what Father Xi said. Yeah, Father I'm just wondering if really suppose... doesn't seem to understand what Scripture says about love. I mean, and maybe that's a sugary thing, but love is the essence of the gospel. I mean, yeah. there is no other love and peace and, and, and non-judgmentalism. So is if you read the gospels carefully you will have to come to a different position to the is, one he came to. Is there a difficulty for people, I'm talking about the wider community who attend church, who sort of disagree, Louise, I suppose, with some of that catechism, disagree with the Pope's position in terms of gay marriage, but still want to attend church and get their children baptised and do communions and, and get married. You know, is there a, a, an a la carte Catholic happening at the moment, do you think? I so don't, I I don't know. I don't know about that. The word is discerning, not a la carte. Okay. I dislike so, that phrase mm. intensely. I think discernment. People are, sorry, Louise, people are entitled to discern. People are entitled to follow their own conscience. Okay. They are, and they are entitled to be active members uh, of their church if that's what they so choose, um, you know, and if that's what people want to do. But I do think, you know, the, the fact is very many people choose not to be. And, you know, what happened down in Listowel at the weekend wouldn't encourage anyone to, to change true. their mind on that. That's a fact. Can I just make a, maybe a broader point? Like, listening to Father here, even a lot of what Father Sheedy is quoting may not even be accurate, right, in terms mm. of the mm. The question is, should he be given this to... The, the this corporate, platform. This platform today when, in fact, some of what he's saying is probably maybe yeah. grossly inaccurate, right? We're all debating him like it's Vatican II. We all have, have had a colleague or a relative or something who comes out and says yeah. the unsayable at a dinner table. And he seems to be quite enjoying his new notoriety I, as well. I, I just wonder, okay. at, and at the end of the day, when, when, when it gets back to him, take father, we deal with people all the time. People, people, you know, people might be lapsed Catholics. Okay. They want to get their children baptised. They want to go to communion. They want confirmation. I, I think that you have to have a certain bit of flexibility as well. But Father Sheehy right. has okay. formed. This okay. is the second time a bishop has yes. had to, okay. if you like, 
deal with them and dismiss them. All right, look, we're going to have to leave it there. But my thanks to Father Joe MacDonald, to Donal Lynch and to Gina Menzies for coming into us this evening. After the break, is child benefit wasted on the rich? We discuss the results of our live poll. Tonight, we introduced our nightly live interactive viewers poll. We asked, would you support taxing child benefit if it meant higher payments for the less well-off? Well, the result of that poll was that 34% are in favour of taxing child benefit, but 66% of you were against it. For more on this and the struggle faced by parents on the breadline is Bernardo CEO, Suzanne Connolly, and Kieran and Louise are also still with us. I'm going to start with you, Suzanne. Are you surprised with that result? Well... Bernardo's and Aldi, we commissioned research from Coin Research and what they're telling us is really stark. So one in four parents, they felt that they hadn't enough food for their children. This is over the last 12 months. And 41% were saying that they consciously cut back on food in order to, to meet other costs. And now we know the government has, in the recent budget, has done quite a lot of once-off measures, which will help children and parents really struggling and living in poverty. And when was this research done? It was, was it done, before or after the budget? It was done before the budget. So that's why I'm saying that the, that the once-off measures will actually help families. But what we're really looking for is a long-term approach that really targets children and parents in need because it's not just the, the stark reality of worrying about food and the social and emotional turmoil of that and indeed physical health of children but it's also the mental health of families. Can you imagine the day-to-day -day worry for, for children and parents and what that does to their sense of hope and possibility for themselves and for the future? So do you find it difficult then that on a week like this week, the universal payment that is child benefit, there's a double payment that's worth €280 Euro, uh, per child, that it goes to every family in the country that has a child under 18 that's entitled to it? We never know what the situation is for families. And I... And in Bernardas, we would really support the universal element of, of child benefit. We think that's a public good. However, we do think it's really important that the government pays attention to targeted measures for children most in need and their families. So you don't think it should be taxed then or means tested, for example? No, we actually don't. We think it's a really important part of, the, of society's commitment to, to families and, and to children. However, we do think the government needs to do a lot more in terms of affordable housing, in terms of genuine free education for all children and other targeted measures which really benefits children in need. And did you get any more background information in terms of the people you surveyed for this report? We didn't get any more background information, but we know in our services every day the struggles that children and families are facing. And we know that people come to Bernardo's to use the washing machine because they can't afford the electricity, that they're putting water in their shampoo bottles to try and make them last, last longer. What we say to families to make it easier, is we sometimes say, are you OK for everything? And that means that families feel they can actually say, well, actually, we're not, and we can help in ways that, that hopefully do make a difference. And it's, 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 it's just so important. And we're very fortunate to have the partnership with Aldi because that supports us and supports our work. And we really think that affordable food for families is key 
OK, Louise, do you agree with the idea that child benefit should be means tested or should it be a universal payment? I think it should be a universal payment. Um, and I think what we what we should do is what Sinn Féin had proposed in our alternative budget, which is tax those people who can afford it the most. So we had proposed uh, a modest enough increase in taxation for people who earn over €140,000. Uh, and that money then should be given to targeted measures. So, you know, measures that actually acknowledge the lived reality. So if you are in a one-parent household... So you're you saying are... give the universal payments to everyone, the double payment this week, but then introduce another rate of tax for those above 140,000. Yeah, and ensure that the people who can make a contribution can afford most to make it, make it. But also, we need to look at, when we're looking at targeted measures, we need to look at the people who are really going to, to, to feel the impact of the cost of living crisis. So what if about, you're in sorry, a to single adult Louise, household... Just, sorry, I'm just going... conscious of time here. What about the comments from the Minister for Social Protection this week, Heather Humphreys, that wealthy families who are out there who perhaps don't need this payment that they can give it back. They don't have to take it. Yeah, I know, but I'd much rather if she was saying, actually, wealthy families who don't need it will be taxed. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, with some, you know, universal payments, that these payments are directed at children, to parents for children. I think that is important. I think the universal element of it is important. But I also think that, you know, people on higher incomes can make more of a contribution and they should be doing that. But when we look at the impact of poverty on children, that is a very long-term thing. So what the government should be doing and what Sinn Féin has proposed is move toward a system so that we have social welfare rates calculated on the basis of minimum, minimum essential standard of living. That is the minimum that you need Kieran. to keep body and soul together, to keep your family, uh, to keep your family going. I don't think it should be, uh, child benefit should be taxed. Uh, I think it's universal payment, it goes to families. I think your poll is very much bearing two thirds of the public believe that. Mm. Uh, for us as a party, and I, I, I take the fact that the Barnardos do great work and the survey was done, uh, uh, we'll say professionally, prior to the budget. We brought in once-off measures across a range of areas, the double payment in terms of social welfare for across all social welfare payments, uh, the working family payment, uh, once-off yeah. payment of 500 euro, the uh, fuel allowance uh, increase. Okay. So all of those, and it's something that we feel strongly about. Uh, but in terms of the, the advice budget, been... it wasn't in the Sinn Féin budget. The, 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 the reason I suppose that we have uh, universal payments and that they have been um, paid out across the board despite the advice that they need to be targeted is because we heard it was too difficult to introduce a mechanism that would allow specific families to be targeted. But Heather Humphreys this week seemed to suggest that finding a cut-off point well, is what, a difficulty. So what, well, which is well, it? What she said was, was that it's, if, if you pick a point, it's impossible. You have families out there that are struggling that, that could be taxed on this payment and they're under pressure. Okay, and and I, I think the, the most important okay. thing, we've put extra money the into okay. the whole area in terms of homelessness. And what we really want to see is cost right. of living measures and ensure that families can come to okay. this energy crisis. We're going to have to leave it there. My thanks to all my guests and you at home for watching. And that's it from us. Good night. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series.